Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. The sermon I'm about to preach is about unquenchable joy. And I just want you to know it is very difficult for me to live this out. I don't experience it or model it well. So let me give you a reoccurring scenario in my life. Something makes me happy. Let's say I get to bike to work in the sunshine. <laughs> and I'm happy. Or I, I go on a date with my wife and I'm happy afterwards. I feel upbeat about a, a good day at work or have some fun with my kids and it makes me happy. There are things in life that make me joyful and happy. Yet, I quickly let circumstances or people steal my joy. For example, Danville Road closes down for two months. <laughs> and I am mad. That is my easy bike, not easy, but that's my bike route to the work. I mean, that's brutal now. I'm mad about that. I think about my house not selling in Illinois, and it makes me anxious. Or maybe my, my wrist or my heel or my back is acting up, and I'm getting annoyed. Or maybe, not, not this has ever happened, but maybe a disgruntled church person comes to see me. Like maybe like after the service and wants to complain about something and it tends to make me disgruntled and irritated. You see, the bottom line is this. It doesn't take much to steal my joy. It's like I'm sitting around a campfire and I'm singing. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where down in my heart? Where? And then some disgruntled person comes, drenches my fire, and the joy is gone. It happens all the time. And so what I want to talk about is something I have a hard time experiencing. And that's this idea of unquenchable Joy, And when I talk about unquenchable joy, I'm not talking about ha-ha happy or chipper or things like that. I'm talking about this kind of this deep joy. This deep joy in the Lord. This unquenchable joy is sustainable happiness in the Lord produced by Spirit. That this fruit of the Holy Spirit, He desires to produce this joy in my life, have it centered on God and have it persevere where people and circumstances cannot take it away not only can people not take it away but the joy is not just for me but it's a dual purpose joy a dual purpose joy that gives me happiness and allows me also to minister to the unhappy so God's joy for you doesn't just terminate on you. It's meant for your joy in Him, but it's dual purpose. It's meant to also minister to others. 
And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of joy I want. That comes from Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 23, when it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And when you look at that list, you may look at your life and say, No way, I am incapable. That is true. You are incapable. But it's not about your ability. It's not about your inability. It's not about your temperament. It's not about your personality. If you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you and you're walking in the Spirit, by God's grace, you produce fruit. And you're like, well, how do I do that? Well, it's one of full strength and full dependence. Full strength and full dependence. We work hard to cultivate this fruit, by the way. Did you know the Bible is commanding joy? You ever notice that? The Bible commands joy. Rejoice always. Be joyful continually. It commands joy. It is your responsibility to express joy in the Lord. And you're like, well, how do I do that? That's where you go to the full dependence part. Full strength, full dependence. And we're going to turn to one of my favorite passages today in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 through 19. And I just want to read through it again because it's so good. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 14. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the fainthearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. This passage is where Paul gives a series of admonitions on how the church is to conduct themselves with one another. And these admonitions may seem disconnected with joy, but they are closely connected where you have admonitions and you have joy coming together. And one of the pastors who's helped me see this more than anyone else is a guy named John Piper. And he wrote many books, but my favorite book that he has written is called When I Don't Desire God, How to Fight for Joy. It's a great book. And he helped me to see this connection that I've been missing between the admonitions and the joy. And the gist of his explanation goes like this. All around you are needy people draining you. The idle are provoking you. The faint-hearted are leaning on you. The weak are depleting you. This would make an ordinary person angry, sullen, and discouraged. But you are called to encourage, help, and be patient and not return evil for evil. How in the world can we do that? The key is the connection to verse 16. Rejoice always or be joyful always. It's joy in the Lord because People in this context are unruly, faint-hearted, and weak. They are not only not giving you joy, but they're draining joy. In order to minister them, you must be joyful. The Holy Spirit wants to produce joy in you 
and its dual purpose wants you to minister others out of that joy. So we're just going to kind of just bop through this passage this morning. We're going to consider the people, the joy, the prayer, the thanksgiving, and the fire of the Spirit. That's where we're going. And we're going to start with potentially draining people. If you can't think of any potentially draining people, then guess what? It's you. Oh, I mean, we, we all are potentially draining people, right? We all are, and we're trying to minister to other potentially draining people. So let's start with verse 14. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the fainthearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. For starter, there are those who are unruly. These would be the people that are irritating they are habitually stirring up things and complaining about everything. And people like this often go unchecked within the church. Yet Paul says they must be confronted, and if you notice there, they must be admonished. Don't let them steal your joy. Don't ignore them in your joy, but admonish them to stop messing around and to get it together. Next are the faint-hearted. The faint-hearted are the ones within the church who are depressed or anxious and fearful, and it can be draining to be around them and to minister to them. Yet Paul says, encourage them. Don't let them steal your joy in the Lord. Don't ignore them in your joy, but out of your joy, encourage them in the Lord. Next is it says there, notice it, the weak. These are the ones weakened by temptation and have given in more than resisted. It can be frustrating being around the weak who keep falling into the same sins over and over again where you want to say, what's your deal? And what does Paul say we need to do with them? It says we need to help them. Don't ignore them in your joy. Don't let them steal your joy. But out of your joy, you are to help them. Point them to Jesus. And if you notice, all these people need your patience. Be patient with everyone. Don't write them off. Be patient with them. Continue in verse 15. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. It's tempting to want to Lash out at those who are draining you and hurting you. But you are told not only to not lash out at them, but you are also to seek their good. Don't let them steal your joy. Don't ignore them in your joy, but seek to do them good. Now, so far you're like, how is this possible? Well, it's only possible with this dual-purpose joy, this joy that we have in the Lord and the joy that spills out of us Onto others, this unquenchable joy that we see in verse 16. Rejoice always. I really believe this rejoice always has to do with unquenchable joy, which is basically sustainable happiness in the Lord. It's got to be. 
This joy is not circumstantial. There's no way. Rejoice always. You're not just called to rejoice for the sake of rejoicing or for the sake of being happy. Don't miss this. It's not for joy's sake, but it's for finding joy in the object, the Lord. And over and over again, the Bible will show us that the Lord must be our, our object of joy. Now think about some of these verses with me. I'm going I'm to put them up for you. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. Psalm 16, 11. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Psalm 32, 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. You see these passages coming together? It's indicating the Lord is to be the object of your ultimate happiness and joy and rejoicing. And one of the reasons I believe, I hope you're listening to me now, one of the reasons this kind of joy may be lacking in your life is because you find ultimate happiness in lesser joys. Can I say that again? This joy may be lacking in your life because you find ultimate happiness in lesser joys. You look to things and people that make you happy, and you try to turn these lesser joys into ultimate joys, and we all do this. We all do this. There are things and people in life that make us happy, like maybe like a house or a pension, a good book, a movie, a meal or a car, a spouse or a friend, all these things we can enjoy. But the problem comes when we count on these joys to sustain us and we're taking lesser joys and we're making them ultimate and we're wondering why circumstances and people steal our joy. Do you, are, you see that? Back when I lived in Skokie, we had overhead sewers installed in our house. This is a big deal because Skokie means swamp. You see, when it would rain, the houses on the street, sometimes when it rained a lot, would have problems with flooding. Do you understand this? It's okay if you don't, but understand. Imagine in your basement there's a drain and water shooting up into your basement all over the place. Even if you have flood controls, which we did, they would fail. And so what you need to prevent that from happening, you need something called overhead sewers. They're very expensive. You have to blast up the concrete, the blast on the street. But finally, we had overhead sewers, and I was so happy. You don't understand how happy I was to have overhead sewers. Now, if I take this joy in overhead sewers and make it ultimate then others will zap it, and it won't help them much. I can't help draining people by saying, quit being so negative. I have overhead sewers. <laughs> I can't help the faint-hearted by saying, don't be depressed. I have overhead sewers. 
Not only will it not help, but it will quickly zap my joy. The object of overhead sewers is not sustainable. When you find greater joy in things of this world rather than the Lord, then when you bump up against those who are out of sorts, not only will you fail to minister to them, but they will zap your joy. Unquenchable joy, sustainable joy is in the Lord alone. Verse 17, let's move on to continual prayer. Pray without ceasing. These are great short verses. Pray without ceasing. There seems to be a connection between sustainable joy and continual prayer. It seems that continual prayer is needed to nourish joy in the Lord. So throughout the day, we are to be aware of the presence of God, and we are to pray to Him. Pray continually. Doesn't mean that you don't do your work. Means you don't, doesn't mean you don't take care of responsibilities. You can't tell your boss, I'm going to be praying all day. I'm sorry. That's not what we're talking about here. Continual prayer is I have this relationship with the Lord all day. And I'm having conversations with God all day where I may be praying, Lord, give me wisdom. Keep me from distraction. Make my heart want you and your will. Please forgive me. Help me to love them no matter what. God, I need joy in you. You, you have this, this ongoing conversation with God. And it's not a disconnected thought loop where you're just saying, be, be positive, be positive, be positive. It's not that. You're in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and you have this ongoing conversation with the one who loves you and saves you, and this is to happen all day. A few weeks ago, we introduced our ongoing initiative of eat, love, pray. It's really simple. We want those of you who go to church here to ask someone over for a meal or out for a meal. And then during that meal, to love them, to listen to them, to encourage them in Jesus, maybe share the gospel or whatever they need. And then afterwards, on your own, to pray for them. And the question that we asked was, who do you have room in your heart this year that you didn't have room for last year? And this pray part is where you can pray for someone, but even before you ask them out for a meal. And then while you're having the meal, you don't have to pray out loud with them, but you can be praying in your head and your heart for them for the conversation. And then afterwards, on your own or with them, you can pray for them and you can make this habitual and continual. Now, I know some of you, you just want to make that first step in having someone over for a meal or going out for a meal, and you may find that it's hard. You say, well, I'm not very outgoing. It makes me uncomfortable. And I'm with you. I'm not very outgoing, and it makes me uncomfortable. But yesterday, uh, I asked uh, someone to come on over. My, my wife was shocked. But I asked someone to come over for a meal. And, and you know, if, if this conversation would have been like, hey, would you like to come to church? It probably would have been like, oh, no. But would you like to come to a meal? Yeah. I'll be there. So just think about some people that would probably come over to your house. Not as a project, not as a program, but as a person to be loved and encouraged. And if you're thinking, I can't think of any reason to have someone over my house, think about this. Next week is the Super Bowl. Invite someone over to watch it. You go, well, I don't like football. Invite them over to watch the commercials. All right? <laughs> I'm, I'm giving you all the options I have. Invite someone over. 
Let's move on to Thanksgiving. Verse 18 again, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I spent many years with college students who are always wanting to know God's will. What is God's will? What is God's will? I love taking them to this verse. Well, it's God's will for you to, to rejoice, pray, and to give thanks. It's God's will for you to be thankful. And it seems that unquenchable joy is nourished by prayer and thanksgiving. We can be grateful. We can be thankful no matter what's going on in our lives. You think about the, the book of Job. If you've never read Job, read Job sometimes. He, he loses everything. Loses everything. And what does he say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You, you give and take away. Blessed be the name. He's still praising God. It seems that no matter what you're going on, no matter what circumstances you're in, you can continually to praise and to be thankful that you know the Lord. You know his love. You know his presence. You know his comfort. You know his control. You know that your future is secure in him. And regardless of the circumstances, you can let habitual thanksgiving flow out of you. And I think it's important to speak it, to say it, to write it down, to tell someone else or whatever, to continually be thankful. And lastly, this Holy Spirit's fire. Look at verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit. The idea is that the Holy Spirit is like a, a flaming fire in the life of a believer. He wants to exhibit fruit brightly in your life like a blazing fire obvious to all. I don't know if you remember when you first came to know the Lord and you repented of your sins, and you put your faith in Jesus who died and rose for you, and he filled you with his Holy Spirit, and for the first time in your life, internally, emotionally, spiritually, you were alive and full of joy. And I know, I know there's some of you here, that may have never happened, but it, it can happen through faith in Jesus Christ, that you can have joy overflowing. But as we all know, throughout time, as we're starting to walk with the Lord, sometimes our joy starts to diminish. And the Bible says when that happens, what we're doing is quenching the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit wants His fire of rejoicing in our life, praying in our life, thanksgiving in our life. And when that is absent, we are quenching the Spirit. Let's do a little bit of honesty here. Just be honest about what's going on. Where you're at right now, do you feel that you are full of joy in the Lord? Don't compare yourself to anybody else, but just your life, your walk with the Lord. Do you have joy in the Lord right now? Or do you feel like you're at a point in your life right now where you are quenching the Spirit? Not only do you feel numb, but you're not praying, you're not thankful, and you're quenching the Spirit. And I find myself going back and forth often, sometimes in the middle, right, of this little spectrum. But I'm wondering, what if the Lord was all that you had? What if your world kind of crash down on you 
and there are joy in no other options but the Lord. There is this missionary who is in India, and it's interesting, she's a missionary who works with uh, girls and women who have been abducted and they're in uh, the trade, prostitution, sex slave. Now get this, sitting here in America, we like to think of all the options for a girl who's been held hostage, how they can get out. They go, well, they got the, the government, maybe their family, they can get a job. We just, we work through all our American options. But here's the reality on the ground. These girls often cannot go back to their families because not only will their families reject them because they've been compromised sexually, but some of their families even kill them. So that option's off the table. Well, maybe they could just get out and get a nice job and sustain themselves. Well, the, often with the caste system, they're really low, low. There'd be no jobs, nothing available for them. So that option's off the table. Well, maybe they can, like, uh, escaping and go to the authorities. Well, often they are hunted down by those who have taken them and killed so it seems that all the options are off the table. Now, you're a missionary. As I was reading about this one missionary, she comes to these women. What do you do when all the other options are off the table? Well, I guess we'll just give them Jesus. Often the last option, right? And yet these women, these girls who are following Christ have so much joy. They're overflowing with worship. There is no option of escape. They are hostage. They are slaves. And yet they are filled with joy in Jesus, overflowing as He is their only option. I've been here for about four and a half, five months, and I've been interacting with some of you. And I've noticed that some of you are out of options as well. I know some of you are in some circumstances right now that look pretty bleak, but I've seen something in some of you. It is a joy overflowing. I can't imagine being in your shoes. I can't imagine when the diagnosis looks so bad, but your joy in the Lord is firm. I'm amazed. I've talked to some of you as your children and your grandchildren are going off the rails, spiritually speaking, and your joy in the Lord is firm. I've talked to some of you and your finances are dwindling, but your joy in the Lord is secure. And to be honest with you, I want that. I want that. I'm tired of being my, all this joy that I have in the Lord or whatever I have being zapped by other people. By, so I'm sick of that. I don't know if there's anybody with me. Are you sick of that as well? I'm sick and tired of finding joy in the lesser things and making them ultimate, and the Lord is nowhere in the picture. So when those lesser things crash, my joy's gone. I, I'm just tired of that pattern. But I see some of you, boy, you have that sustainable, unquenchable joy in the Lord. And if I was in your shoes, I don't know if I would have it. What if the Lord was your only option? So my brothers and sisters, 
for me and for you. I'm gonna give you this week a simple prayer. There's no printout or anything, it's easy. And the prayer goes like this, and it's for me and for you, and it says, Lord, please stir me to find more joy in you than anywhere else. Lord, please stir me to find more joy in you than anywhere else. I believe the Lord will respond to such prayers because the Holy Spirit wants to give you joy in the Lord for your benefit, for the benefit of others, and for His glory. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.